You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, everybody. Happy game week. It is Orange Bowl week for Tennessee and Clemson. The volunteers are on site uh, down here in Fort Lauderdale, the Miami area, to take on Clemson. That'll be Friday at 730. And we're, of course, down here covering all the action for Tennessee all throughout the week, VolQuest.com, and like this on the VolQuest YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Give this video a thumbs up. And don't forget, $10 for uh, the entire year of VolQuest.com, a membership, a subscription, only $10. It's the perfect New Year's gift to give to your special someone. I'm Eric Gain with Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis. And guys, uh, it feels like it's been a while since Tennessee's played in a football game, but just a couple more days, Tennessee and Clemson, Brent Hubs getting going 7.30 on Friday night in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting matchup and an intriguing matchup where everybody's trying to figure out as there is with every bowl game, Rob, does your team want to be there first and foremost? And then two, what's your rust layoff? You know, what's your rust factor from the layoff? You know, tackling is obviously at a premium anytime you take a month off from football. But I think first and foremost, how bad do these two teams really want to be here? They say all the right things, uh, but we'll see how, you know, kind of where the level of anticipation and excitement is for both teams come Friday night. Yeah, and just, this is just me, I and mean, there's no way to quantify it, but I, I would think Tennessee would be highly motivated to be there. I, I would think the stuff, the angle you're talking about, Hubbard, I would be more worried about it from the Clemson standpoint, just given, you know, where that program has been the last six or eight years, you know, how often they've been in the playoffs, how often they've been, you know, competing for, for a championship. What is their level of, of what to, you know, in, in you know, I don't want to say meaningless. It's, I mean, it's not meaningless for Tennessee, but compared to the stakes that they have been accustomed to playing for, how you know how how highly motivated are their kids? See, I, I think they're going to be highly motivated, Rob, because you have the newness and the excitement of of Cade Klubnik. I think if DJ were still the quarterback, I think you hit the nail on the head. But because there's a uh, a different quarterback and and kind of the, you this we'll use this as a springboard for twenty three and all that stuff. But hey. Tennessee can say the same thing with, with, with Joe Milton. He's down here playing in front of his home fans, in front of his home uh, family, uh, you know, 45 minutes or so from, you know, Pahokee where he grew up. And, you know, I would imagine that he would be wanting to use this as a springboard. So I think both teams, um, you know, understand that this game can be big. Um, but at the same time, you know, last year Tennessee got, you know, you know, by Purdue in overtime and Purdue was going up and down the field with backups and, it didn't stop Tennessee from getting to 10 wins this season. So uh, I think when you put it all in perspective, you know, both teams I think will come out ready to play in this football game and we'll see who, uh, you know, can kind of impose their will. I mean, you heard a lot on the, on the practice field uh, on Monday and I'm sure we'll hear it later today, you know, it's the orange bowl, baby, you know, and people yelling and going on. And I mean, like, you know, trying to manufacture some excitement and uh, you know, we'll see if it uh, actually manufactures into reality. Yeah, I think here's an interesting question, Eric, and I'm going to throw this to you. I know you got going with a couple of things, but I wanted to throw this back to you. 
uh, just for thought. You know, a lot of people talk about springboard for another year and, you know, all of this. I mean, are, are bowl games a springboard to next year? Or are they just kind of their own sort of on an island by themselves, their own entity? I mean, they're not – It's I guess it's a celebration of the, pre, of, of the year you've just finished. But how much is it really a springboard for nine months later in football? I don't know the answer to that. I, I just – I'm curious to see how much you can take from, you know, what happened to you on December 30th and carry it into a game on September 1st, a year later. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I I don't think it is a springboard. I think it could be individually. Um, You got a guy going out there, like say Joe Milton goes out there and just balls out on Friday and sure, maybe he builds that momentum and that confidence, takes it in the off season. Maybe he goes out and has, has a big year and everything, but just as Austin pointed out, I mean, Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee lost a game to, uh, you know, an offense in Purdue that was playing backups last year, and he turned around and won 10 games in, in 2022. So, for me, I think it's more or less, in my opinion, the kind of a celebration of what you've accomplished. Uh, you, you don't spend an entire week in Athens or in Columbia or in Pittsburgh like you are in Miami this week in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, it's a celebration. You're going out and doing a whole lot of things. Um, so, I, I think it kind of is a standalone. So, that's just kind of my opinion. Um, but of course, I think that some individuals can use this as a springboard, build up in confidence, and move forward. Now, kind of on that note, Austin, with with the new quarterback as you pointed out for Clemson, Cade Klubnick, you know, this is kind of a you know a first impression for a lot of Clemson fans and college football fans. Sure, we watched the ACC championship game, but he hadn't played an awful lot. You know, what are you expecting from Clemson's new starter, and do you think that they're going to look any different offensively come Friday? Well, the question is, is did he, did he take a step in the ACC title game because he has, you know, improved and, and you know, kind of tightened up some things that were loose earlier in the year when they tried to insert him into games and give him a chance to pass DJ and he couldn't do it? Or is North Carolina's defense just that bad? You know, I, you know, and I know, let's face it, Tennessee's defense is not great either, but the point is, like, you know, I don't know if, you know, if he's just cured all his ills because, you know, you listen to the Clemson broadcast – coming back, you know, during the Notre Dame game, and he threw that bad pick. And what were they saying, on Eric, on, on the radio? He routinely makes these same poor decisions at practice. This is why he can't get past DJ, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, you know, the ACC championship game, he, they just kind of forced him in there, and, and he did play well. And so, you know, I, I expect him to come out. I expect him to take some deep shots. And, uh, and again, Will Shipley's your best friend in a game like uh, the Orange Bowl, you know, whether it be running it to him or throwing it to him out of the backfield. And that's where Tennessee's going to have to really be uh, on their P's and Q's because I think that he could have a field day catching balls out of the backfield if Tennessee lets him. Brent, how big is a pair of opt-outs defensively for Clemson uh, up front, defensive end, Miles Murphy, uh, got a linebacker, um, kind of kind of a rover type guy, Trenton Simpson. I think he's dealt with some injuries a little bit, but both those guys not playing in this football game, just like Tennessee on the offensive end. Um, you know, Clemson is being impacted by this as well. You think Tennessee can take advantage of that more moving forward? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Murphy's a really good player. I mean, I, I do. I think that's I think that's an important piece to the puzzle. But but when you look at Clemson's depth chart and you look at their um, stats for the year, Rob, they're, they're a lot like Tennessee. They got 12, 13, you know, different defensive linemen who have registered tackles throughout the year. Um, so they rotate a lot of bodies up there. So it's not like they're losing a guy who's played eight, you know, playing 70 snaps a game for him or 60 snaps a game for him because of the way they rotate up there. So 
they've got plenty of talent on that defensive line. I'm, I'm sure they'd love to have Murphy, but I don't know that I don't know that Tennessee can suddenly attack Clemson any differently because Miles Murphy's not playing in this game. Yeah, I mean he's the one guy that I mean he's he's their most explosive guy. I mean he doesn't have great numbers. I mean like you say they play a ton of guys, but he's a he's a top ten, top twenty, you know NFL pick if you're if you're looking at the at the mocks that are out there right now. So I, I don't think they have a guy that really replicates what he does. But again, uh, I'm with you, Brent. He's they have seven seven eight guys who are good players. I mean, Murphy's you know the has has the most you know NFL appealing measurables. Um, but that hadn't translated to just a huge year for him. I, I don't know if you're Tennessee. I don't know if there's one guy that you look up, you know, like a there's not a Will Anderson type up there that you know, that's a potential game plan wrecker. In, in my opinion, they have they have a they have a quality front seven. I mean, a bunch of really good football players. Now for Tennessee, of course, it, it's you know we've been talking about it for weeks now. You know, it's it's Jalen Hyatt who announced last week that he's going to forego his senior campaign and, and go on to the NFL draft. He's not going to play in the Orange Bowl and. Cedric Tillman, who's been beat up with injuries all season long, he's not going to play the Orange Bowl. Uh, Darnell Wright will play in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Byron Young will play in the Orange Bowl. Jeremy Banks is not with the team, will not play in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Austin Brents, um, how big are the impacts for Tennessee? Will they be feeling that on Friday? I just think it's you're, you're never at full strength usually throughout a football season, so some guys have already stepped up and, and kind of paid that way. They're going to have to do it again. Well, you know, receiver-wise, they won't look a ton different. But, I mean, Jalen Hyatt, you can't replace, you know, his production this year. I mean, almost 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns, Belenikoff award winner. There's no replacing him. No matter, you know, what kind of game Squirrel or whoever else they have in the slot has, uh, you're going to miss number 11. Uh, You'll miss Cedric Tillman. But, again, Tillman's not been there most of the year and still had almost 40 catches. I mean, how wild is that? He almost had 40 catches. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, high, high 30 catch wise was a really good year for some guys. And he, he played just a, you know, a very little this year due to injury. And, uh, you know, but th- they've been able to go with Keaton Brew uh, most of the year along with Hyatt. So now they just have to replace Hyatt. Um, you know, it, replacing Jeremy Banks will be a tough ask. I mean, you know, I mean, was he always in the right place uh, or did he always make the right read? No, but I mean, he found his way into the, to the right place a lot of times, Hubbard, because he, you know, he just attacked the football so much. And, uh, you know, I think that they'll, you know, to me, that'll be one of your bigger struggles is to replace him again. Not that, you know, he's all world. He's not Ray Lewis, but right. at the same time, he did a lot of productive things for the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. There's a couple of things for me. Go ahead. Go ahead I was going to say, I was going to ask one of you two, is that simply more snaps for Salon page or as 15 bowl practices enough to get Elijah here in, you know, up up to speed and get him more work. I would say I, I think it's just more as much as the other two can play, and then probably Solon Page is how I would answer that, Brent. Yeah, I, I would think I would think Mitchell and Beasley absorb Banks' snaps as much as they can, and and then Page would be the first guy there. I think the one thing with Banks that's a little bit different this go around in the South Carolina game is this team's got multiple days to understand that he's not going to be around. There was a lot of I know everybody talks about that. You know, was he the reason they lost the South Carolina game? I don't think he was. That There was some unusualness that week because that was not a situation where they knew all week long Jeremy Banks would not be available. That was something that Jeremy Banks didn't handle himself all week long and basically turned a series, quarter, half suspension into a full game suspension because of how he went about his business. 
so, so I think this is a little bit different there. I think the key thing to watch offensively when you talk about the, the loss of those receivers, Eric, is how healthy is Brew McCoy? Brew McCoy didn't play in that Vanderbilt game. He's still in a red jersey. I know they're being precaution, you know, precautionary with him. He's got to be able to absorb a hit Friday night against Clemson and, and be able to ha- and be able to handle those things. So I, I think that's the biggest question mark that we have is how does Brew McCoy Austin? Where does he physically? How does he handle? Uh, you know, absorb contact because we just not seen that, and he's not completely one hundred percent from that injury he suffered in the South Carolina game. At least I don't think he is. No, I agree. I mean, I talked to him last week, and, you know, I'd say he's somewhere closer to 85. Um, We'll play in this football game. Um, Plans on, you know, toughing it out. Tough kid. It's an oblique-type injury. Um, But he's a lot healthier than he was a month ago, which, you know, it's going to afford him the chance to play in this football game. And, again, Walker Merrill's got to step up. Chaz Nimrod or whoever else has to step up. You know, Tennessee just doesn't play a huge wide receiver rotation anyway. And so it will be interesting to kind of see where this goes uh, in this football game. And, and honestly, if you really look at both teams, both teams are a quarterback away getting knocked out of the football game from being in real trouble. I mean, like, you know, it's not like Clemson's got some, you know, covered full of studs behind Cade Klubnick. And then obviously Tennessee, I think if, if Joe had to come out, it would be Gaston Moore. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that that's – I think that's the new age and the direction you kind of go in, in college football. It's a little bit like the NFL's 53-man roster, Rob. I mean, you, you just don't have – you're just not going to be layered in depth. And that's the one thing Tennessee had the benefit of at the quarterback position this year is you had Joe Milton backing up Hendon Hooker, which nobody – very few teams in the country had that kind of luxury at, at the quarterback spot in terms of depth. I, I just think you're going to see more and more in football, not just in bowl games, but I think you're going to see more and more in football just – um, lack of depth because of, of the transfer portal. Now, you may fill, fill, fill it out with guys on the 85, you know, having 85 guys, but I just think that you're going to play a, a consistently smaller number of guys and you're just not going to have some of that depth that you've seen some of these, you know, elite teams stockpile over the course of the last, you know, five to seven years. Maybe it continues for everybody, but I think it's going to be hard to continue that um, stockpiling of talent, you know, because guys just aren't going to be third string and sit back there and wait and see what happens. Yeah, I think it's really going to show up in bowl games, and it already is. I mean, look at, you know, the debacle Florida went through, you know, last week. I mean, how many, how many opt-outs, you know, did they have? 20-plus, 20, 20 you know, including their quarterback. But, uh, I mean, I, I think what, what AP was just talking about, you're really going to see it at the quarterback position. I think it's going to be normal because, I mean, if you're bouncing out of a program, you want to do that at this time of year so you can enroll somewhere, you know, and start classes in January. You're not going to, you know, sit through and, 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 you know, practice just to be the backup and, you know, the, the Outback Bowl or, or, you know, the Alamo Bowl or whatever it is. I mean, I think it's going to be very commonplace in, in the future where you see teams like Tennessee is, you know, this week in, in Clemson essentially, you know, getting ready for a bowl game with a walk-on as, as your backup at quarterback. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be super common. AP, where do they go if they go? They got to go to receiver four or five. Is that is that Walker Merrill? Is it Chad's Nimrod? What do you? Or is it Merrill in the slot and Nimrod on the outside? Or is Merrill the first guy who would be number four who could play inside or outside? I think that's where they go. I think Walker Merrill would be the first one inside or outside. And then 
you know, from there, I think it would probably be Chaz Nimrod. And after that, I think it's probably splitting Princeton fan out. I, I'm just not sure they're going to throw Caleb Webb out there, um, you know, having not played a whole lot this year and just say, hey, go. I mean, I know you can do that. And, it, you know, it's, you know, it's not like you're losing a red shirt. But at the same time, I mean, you also don't want to put him out there, and you know, when he's not ready. Well, they're not going to go that deep anyway, right? I mean, they never have. They never will, right? Well, well no, but so, I think I think but, Hubs, but again, I think Hubs is just saying like if 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 you got uh, if you got Ari one goes out with an ankle and then a helmet comes off, little things like that. Like I mean, like I think just devil's advocate, worst case scenario is what Hubs was saying. In other words, Hubs was being Hubs, Eric King <laughs> is, is what he's doing. His his glass his glass is an eighth full. Okay, it's, hey, it's not even, hey, it's not here, even here you go. Here's your here's your great story, Rob. This is on Christmas night. We're on the plane, and Debbie Downer is back there on, like, row 12, and he's surrounded by the guy who is, like, a, a rule follower who's freaking out because Hubs has not put his phone in airplane mode yet. <laughs> he's going to cause the plane to go down because his phone's not in airplane mode. And Hubs, having to do a kind of like a reverse of fortune, was having to be, like, Johnny Positive and, you know, talk the guy off the ledge because he was 12 scotches in after spending $200 on the Legion flight. So, new quarterback for Clemson. It's going to be a new quarterback for Tennessee. It's it's an old head. We know who he is, of course. He you know started the first couple of games of 2021. He's been here for two years. His name is Joe Milton. Um, when talking and discussing about a springboard, or this could be an isolated event, whatever the case may be, but for Tennessee to get a win against Clemson and that defense on Friday night, Brent, what does Joe Milton need to do? I know Joe needs to be Joe, but what are Joe's strengths and what can Tennessee dial up in order to make Joe shine uh, for Tennessee on uh, on Friday night? Two things for me. One, they've got to use his legs, and, and, and sparingly. You don't want to run him to death, but you've got to use his legs somewhat effectively in the run game. And, and two, I think the other thing is he's got to work the middle of the football field. Um I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in, in the Vanderbilt deal. And I know, Austin, a lot of people are talking about the Vanderbilt game and, you know, the one one for eight on deep balls. It was rainy. It was windy. Tennessee had a big lead. That was going to be the shot that they were going to take in the passing game. If it didn't work, they were going to punt it. Go back to the fourth down play he had early in that game to Ramel Keaton over the middle. Really good ball. Um, I thought Joe got off to a good start in that game. I think you got to turn Joe Milton loose between the hash marks and you got to let his legs go. That's the biggest thing for me, Austin. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, sign, cosign, triple sign. I mean, uh, his best throws he makes are throws across the middle of the field. He's thrown seed after seed this year when doing that. Sprinkle in a few deep balls and then use his legs. And you just created the path to victory for Tennessee with Joe Milton at quarterback. I agree with you. Um, I think that's the only way you go. If they do anything else, then I think that you're hampering the offense. And you're right. They they kind of got into that, like, you know, drop back and, hey, let's just chug it 70 yards, you know. And, and, and it's fun to watch, right? I mean, that's how I played PlayStation growing up. Just throw the deep ball. If you hit, you're going to hit just enough of them, you're going to score a bunch of points. So, um, you know, problem is, you know, we're not, you know, playing the, the, the game the way I played PlayStation. So, um, you know. I think if you do what you just said, then I think Tennessee's got a chance to uh, have success, sprinkle in a, a solid running game. Again, I think it helps that Darnell Wright's playing in this game. I think Tennessee, uh, you know, benefits by the fact that Murphy and and some of those guys, and even like Brian Brisey, 
like he, he's he's still a little bit banged up. So like, how healthy is he going into this game? And um, you know, I think Tennessee could potentially move the ball on the ground a little bit, and, uh, and again, set Joe up for success by doing what he does well. Here's the interesting thing, too, Eric, is what does Tennessee look like offensively without Alex Golish? Okay, and now here's what I'm saying. It's Josh Heupel's offense. Josh Heupel's going to call it. But, but sometimes the guy in the sky a little bit, when you're removed from it all and you're in the glass bubble, maybe you're more committed to staying to something and you don't call some things emotionally a little bit. How does Josh Heupel call this game with, without that set of eyes upstairs helping him? And Alex Golish had talked about it to – CBS broadcasters and everybody else this year about, hey, you you got to be more patient in the run game. We weren't patient enough in year one in the run game. Is Tennessee going to be patient enough? Because it's going to be hard to run the football against Clemson, I think. How patient are they? What do they look like offensively um, with, with Josh Heupel? Who, who's the – you know, he and, he and Golish were great gatekeepers and, and, and kind of checks and balances for each other. Um, ultimately, you know, Josh Heupel signed off on everything. So it's not like it's going to change their offense. But but what is that kind of gatekeeping? Hey, let's get into this. Let's look at that. They're playing it this way. How does all that work on Friday night? I think it's interesting as well. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, what they do, um, you know, and how they do it. And, I mean, you know, who knows? You don't know until you get in there. Like, maybe Joey Halsley's got some really good thoughts, you know, in the box of her. Um, you know, you, you just don't know. You know, when you've never been put in that position. Um, and until you are, you don't know. I mean, no one knew, um, you know, Hinton Hooker was going to be what he was, you know, a year ago at this time. You, all of a sudden he gets thrust into that that scene and, and performs well. Same thing can go for coaches as well, you know. I mean, just because, you know, somebody that's thought to be a slam dunk doesn't mean they are, and guys that maybe are overlooked turn out to be some of your better coaches. So, you know, I'm interested to kind of see just like, you know, when they start, you know, working together and they're talking to the box, how, how different does it look or is it very similar? And is is this you know what responsibilities do does Joey Halsey have in this game in that regard? Um, very well could be that in guy or on staff promotion up, and you know with Hypel calling the plays and he gets that title and all that. I mean that's not all set in stone. That's not happening right now. But he is the other eyes in the sky, if you will. There's not another offensive coach up there. Jerry Max on the sideline. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah. you know what what is Joey Halsey's role in this kind of kind of moving forward for this game? So. It'll be interesting to see. Um, one other thing I have in terms of what Tennessee may look like in this game 
is it's been mix and match in the secondary the entire the entire season, especially the last like a couple of weeks. What does Tennessee secondary look like? We saw guys out there Monday in practice and Tuesday at practice having red jerseys on, but where's the Brandon Turnages and the Danico Slaughters and, and those type of guys? Who's healthy, Brent, back there in the back end? Well, I would hope that, that that they're all healthy enough, and some of that red jersey stuff was a bit precautionary. Um, again, I think you worry about tackling in games like this when you have that kind of layover and, and layoff. But um, Tennessee, you know, they're going to have to play well uh, in the secondary, not just on the outside at the corner position. Uh, Austin talked about this earlier, Will Shipley being uh, the best friend uh, of Clemson's offense. They love to use him in space in the passing game. What does that mean? Your linebackers have to play in space, Eric, sideline to sideline. And just as importantly, your safeties have to react fast, and they've got to play well in space. And that's been a struggle for Tennessee all season long in the secondary. Those guys have to step up and play their game. I think they're going to be remote, you know, for the most part, healthy back there um, and, and should have everybody available. But, but how they react and how they play the stuff on the edge and the perimeter in Clemson's passing game is going to be a key stat or a key thing to watch for this defense, in my opinion. So it's going to be a really, really good game. Tennessee and Clemson, that's coming up Friday. Orange Bowl, it's going to be 8 o'clock on ESPN. We're down here all week long bringing you practice updates, observations, uh, any injury notes, team notes, all that and more. So really, really looking forward to Tennessee-Clemson and the Orange Bowl coming up this week. That's on Friday. But before Friday, uh, Tennessee basketball has its SEC opener. It's going to be on the road at Ole Miss. Rob Lewis, what can you tell us about the Rebels? Uh, I mean, pretty up and down, or actually, you know, not much up in, in their non-conference. I mean, their 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 last uh, non-conference tune-up before SEC play, they lost at home to North Alabama. Uh, week before that, they lost to Central Florida. Um, not really any any kind of significant win. I guess maybe Stanford is their best win, which is not saying a lot in the non-conference. Um, you know, you. Going on the road, always some uncertainties there when you're talking about league play. You know, Tennessee's coming off, like everybody, coming off a bit of a layoff. But if you're if you're going to open on the road, this one seems like, you know, one that you might want to pick if you're Rick Barnes. Not that he would come out and say that. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like almost kind of the perfect storm because Tennessee's still trying to figure itself out a little bit. Guys in and out of the lineup. Um, it is the SEC opener and you're on the road. Um, of course, if you don't come ready to play, you can get your butt beat. I mean, that's just how that's how this thing works. But I do feel like, as you pointed out, this is kind of the perfect storm for Tennessee. Offensively, and also, who, who, do, who does Tennessee say, need to look out for? It's got the you know top five defense in the entire country, according to Ken Palm. Who does Tennessee need to look out for offensively for Ole Miss? I, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be ugly, but just you know, not a lot there to be super concerned about. And, and Eric, again, I you know. I could be selling them short. You know, maybe they come up, maybe they show up and just ball out. But uh, I just, you know, not have not done a lot to get to get people excited in the non-conference at, at all. And I can't, you know, I, I don't want to make too much of that one loss. But when you when you close non-conference by losing at home to uh, to North Alabama, that's not a great sign. They bring back Matthew Morrell. I mean, he's a veteran. He's a junior guard. He's he's their leading scorer. He's the only guy on the team that's averaging in double digits. Um, he's right at 15, 16 points a game. Uh, they don't have a lot of size. They don't – certainly not like what Tennessee saw against Arizona. They're, they're, they, they start a couple of six, seven guys in the post. So, Tennessee – you know, I think some teams, Tennessee will have problems matching up 
in the post with big physical presences. Ole Miss is not that at all. Um, so again, I, I don't want to make light of of any conference road game ever. But but man, if you could, this is this is a pretty good one to be starting off with, in in my opinion. Rob, how important is it uh, the last couple of games that Kai Ziegler's gotten going offensively? Of course, you know coming off the bench and. Uh, you're doing that role that he did last year, but how important has it been for him to kind of get things going offensively and give Tennessee a jolt and scoring some points off the bench? I mean, I think it's big, EC, because if you look at this this lineup, look at this roster, you know, I mean, I think Tennessee is, is a really good team. They're going to win a lot of games, but the offensive shortcomings are real. I mean, we're, we're a third of the way through the season. They're, they're not going to just flip a switch and, and, you know, be a team that scores 80, 90 points a game. They're going to struggle on that end a lot of times. And Zakai really is the only guard that can beat people off the dribble and create something for himself or, or, or other people. And, you know, to, whether that's to free himself up for a jump shot, whether that's, you know, getting blown past somebody to pick and roll and get into the paint, making the defense class. Now, now Julian could Julian could beat, beat people with, with his first step and off the dribble, but he's not a creator. You know, he's as far as a guard, you know, Zakai is really the one guy that can make stuff happen with his speed, with his quickness, and, and with his ball handling. And, and Tennessee needs that big time. I mean, he's he's the – I don't – do you disagree, Eric? I mean, I think he's really the only shot creator they have in the backcourt. Now, Julian create some stu- can create some stuff for himself, but, but Santi's got to run all over the place and run guys off picks. Um, you know, Tyreek Key is, is not going to spring himself open you know, off the dribble or about, you know, losing somebody with, with his quickness. And, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure on, on Zakai to play well and to be that guy for Tennessee. No, and I don't disagree whatsoever. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of offensive shortcomings in, in terms of creating your own shot and then, of course, having that shot go in uh, for Tennessee a third of the way through the season. But I think Zakai is easily, you know, one of the best at creating his own stuff. And so – I think it's big. I think it's been huge. That's why I asked the question for Tennessee, just to give them that bolt, you know, offensively um, off the bench. Last thing, uh, again, Tennessee tomorrow night's SEC opener. That's going to be uh, on the road at Ole Miss. And weird um, time. I also plays – it's 4 o'clock local time. Yeah. They, they moved that tip off. I mean, that's. I think that also helps Tennessee when you're going on the road. I mean, that's – you know, Ole Miss plays football that, that night. You know, I don't know how many people are – I don't know how many people, people will be invested in the game Mm-hmm. If, if the Rebels weren't playing football that night, but I, I think the cause of that even plays more to Tennessee's hands. That's a really good point. I didn't even realize that until you said that. That's a really good point. Um, I ask you this every single week. I'm going to continue to ask you this, uh, but is it still just day by day, game by game for Josiah? Any Man, Anything I'm, new with jo- Josiah Jordan? No, there, there's nothing new. I wrote it yesterday in, in, in the 3 2 1 that I, you know, I, I, nobody around Tennessee has told me this and nobody has said this. I just think that I don't think the coaching staff is is even counting on him. And I don't mean to say that they've written him off. I, I don't mean to say that at all. I mean, he's around and he's with the team. He's he's at practice every day doing stuff on the side. I just think that they look at it now. If they get anything out of him, it's a bonus. But also, I mean, you're a third of the way through the season. You're really, you know, two months since the start of, of, of practice back in October. And, you know, I bet Josiah's not practiced 10 times. Full speed. Full. I mean, he's, he's, he's missed seven out of, out of Tennessee's 12 games now or 11 games and, you know, did almost nothing in the preseason. If he, if he gets back at all and contributes now, it's just, it's, it's just a bonus to me. I mean, if I'm a fan, I'm looking at it like the guys that you've seen for the last couple of weeks, that's Tennessee's team. And I'm, and again, I'm not writing Josiah off I and mean, he's not written himself off, 
but there's there's not been any movement. And we'll see. You know, Tennessee's been off for a week before they play. You know, maybe he, he's been he and, and the staff have been holding holding back and hoping he could go when SEC play starts. We'll see, but we're not going to know that until warmups on on Wednesday afternoon in, in Oxford. Well, Tennessee's still trying to figure out those rotations, those exact roles, and uh, now you'll get a, a nice nice test to begin SEC play again. Uh, I, I say test, but a nice opportunity to begin SEC play on the road at Ole Miss, and uh, that game will be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with Ole Miss playing football later that evening. Tennessee will be playing football in the Orange Bowl. That'll be uh, at uh, Miami's Hard Rock Stadium Friday night, 8 o'clock on ESPN, and VolQuest is down here on location all week long to bring you the latest with Tennessee football. Uh, for Rob Lewis, Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, I am Eric Kane, and thank you all of you guys for tuning in, hanging out with us here on the VolQuest podcast. Don't forget, $10 for a one-year subscription of VolQuest.com. It's the best New Year's present to give that special someone in your life. $10 for one year of VolQuest.com, and like and subscribe to us on VolQuest, uh, the YouTube channel as well. Guys, I appreciate it. We'll be back on Thursday for the mailbag edition of this podcast. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.